Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's Expressions Podcast. This is episode two in our second season. Our guest this week is Amber King, a self-taught artist and proud Anishinaabekwe. Languages are incredible to me. Uh, we just did an episode on uh, like the origins of all kinds of different expressions and where words have come from. And I just find languages so um, interesting. But we had a conversation just before I started this, and I, I did the intro there. And you even said yourself how difficult of a language this is. It is. Um, speaking Ojibwe, uh, anybody who is a language speaker, props to them. It's amazing that they actually can speak our like first language. I mean, you know, uh, my grandparents, uh, they spoke the language. Um, so it was interesting growing up um, because I didn't speak the language. So there's words in the Ojibwe language that couldn't they couldn't express it in English so it was interesting to watch my grand growing up because she would say it in Ojibwe over and over and she's like oh I can't explain it to you in English like there's no English words right. and so it made it, it made conversations interesting with my grandparents so you know like this. yeah like and it was so <laughs> frustrating right so it, it became frustrating because you know it was so simple to her to speak in the Ojibwe dialect whereas me understanding it in English, it wasn't reciprocated or the meaning is different because most of the words, it's based on feeling, right? So it's kind of like you have that emotion, but how do you express it in a language that there's no conversion? So like in mm -hmm. even in our language, we don't have any words for goodbye is one of the things that I know for sure. So we always say bama pi, which is um, see you soon. So we never mm -hmm. actually ever address people. Like if we have friends leaving, like even in our office or if we're at ceremony, always say bomb up to your friends because like, it's not like, okay, we're never gonna see you again. We will see you. It's just, we'll see you another time. Whereas goodbye, hmm. it almost seems like very like, that's it, right? Like- Final. Sure. Yeah, Final. yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's it's a lot. Um, you know, we, I know a lot of younger people my age who didn't grow up with a language that are actually starting to do that, um, you know, those teachings to understand our language and to learn it and to speak it. And I know a few younger kids, um, friends of mine, they, their children are speaking fluent. So yeah, it's pretty, oh, it's, it's pretty amazing because it is, it is definitely something that is lost within our communities. Right. So yeah. And that's that's important to make sure that the the culture goes on and that the uh, the past right that the past generations mm -hmm. uh, that we keep it up and don't lose that uh, identity. And that's yeah, uh, for that's, sure. That's excellent. I, I I have my hats off to anybody that speaks more than one language. I can barely speak <laughs> English, so uh, it's it just hats off. And to those people that are learning a second language, whether it's your your native tongue, keep at it because. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I wish I had now was a, a different language. Even if I'd have kept up with French, I wish. Yeah. Just so you can take that. off and leave. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah just go. Just I'm go. done with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about why it's so important to remember our cultures. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of different things in this conversation. And I'm very excited because it all stems around your creativity and your passion for art. And that's what we're all about here on Expressions is um, trying to give people who a want to do the same kind of art as our guest an avenue and some ideas and some uh things that they could try to get themselves down that path but b to open your eyes to some 
viewpoints that you may not have seen, some perspectives that you may not have thought about. And I think tonight's show is really going to give us an opportunity to do that. I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. Amber, I can't thank you enough for being here uh, because this could potentially be a dodgy subject at times, if not approached correctly. Um, and I really thank you for letting us talk about some of these things because I, I have, I admit it, like I'm, I'm a white guy. I, I don't know a lot of the things that have gone on and a lot of the atrocities that have happened, but in the same token, I'm also Jewish and my background has had some turmoil, uh, family members and cultures and things that had been lost. Yep. So I, I'm really interested to talk to you about some of those things tonight. Um, Mark, before we do that, I just want to say hi and say hi to you hi. and say, how have you been this week? I've been good. Um, it's, we had a little bit of snow in Thunder Bay last night, so got to play with my uh, snowblower a little bit today. So that was kind of fun you know, <laughs> riding around on the, it's, it's a garden tractor with a snowblower attachment. So that was just, you know, get to still play with the toy in this, in the winter. So that was good. <laughs> that was kind of fun, but uh, yeah. What's funny though, is that like when this is recording, it's early December. And when this is going to air is going to be middle of January. So you're going to be at that point, like, oh my God, I had to take the snowblower out again. This is horrible. And right now it's all fresh and new. But yeah, this, this is oddly enough. This is our first snowfall today. It's uh, December the 6th. It's our first snowfall in Thunder Bay. First real snowfall. Like there, anything that came down before you didn't even have to clear the stairs. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I've had a great week yesterday, uh, Saturday, not yesterday. Yeah, uh, Saturday we did a pro wrestling thing up in Barrie, um, and it was a double header. There was two main events, and I'm telling you, I'm feeling 50 because the getting up and getting down and getting out of the way of the cameras and stuff like that. Oh, my thighs are burning for the past couple of days. There you go. A bit of a workout. A Doing those squats. That yeah, was awesome. <laughs> Great time. So if anybody's interested, check out Barry Wrestling because it's just so much fun, and they've just upped their production. They've got a whole new crew in shooting video, and it's just. It was awesome. There was lights and it was cool. Yeah, it was like a real thing. It was awesome. Anyway, nice. um, enough about me, enough about you, Mark. Let's talk about Amber. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I want to know for before we get into any kind of other conversation from the art okay. side of things, what is it you love to create? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I, I think I just like crafting. Like, I love being able to make people look at things like I want it so my whole thing so you know high school um you know since I was little I was always my sisters are very like book educated where I'm like hands on I'm like I want to make things like I don't care what it is if it's like you know a skill saw and wood and screws like I'm making something right so I've been like this my whole entire life so you know in high school like really focused in on like my art and like you know got into photography um you know, I, our town had this contest for kids within our high school. So we had this big millennium celebration. So the kids were able to um, put in their art pieces and create. Um, so the Royal Canadian Mint was making a coin for our town of Midland for our millennium celebration. So my actual art piece got picked and they actually created these millennium coins to commemorate the year oh, 2000, cool. right? So, yeah. yeah, so it was pretty, it was a pretty cool honor, like, oh, putting my stuff 
in there. It was like putting it out there for people to see. So it was this big deal, right? So at the sure. time, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I got this coin, right? So then, that's really like, cool. you know, that is cool. yeah. So I, it was cool. Like they, they gave me like this little presentation, and I got like these special coins, like minted. And I'm like, hey, man, like they made my artwork into a coin. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, in high school, you know, got right into photography, had a whole plan. You know, I was going to go to school, like selected to go to Sheridan. So, you know, where I was able to meet some really great friends, um, you know, left high school, uh, moved to Oakville by myself, didn't know anybody, uh, kind of scary, but it was cool. Like the art program at Sheridan was amazing, but I'd go into product work and I act my high school teacher, he was here already starting his career and, you know, it wasn't in the cards for me to do product work in Toronto. He wanted a family, small town family, all of his families here. So moved back home. Um, and then I think when I came moved home, I decided that I wanted to do community work. So I really wanted to focus on how can I support Indigenous people at community level. So I got a lot of, so the thing with uh, working for Indigenous organizations and stuff is there's not a lot of core funding. Um, so it's a lot of contract-based work. So, you know, you always get into a position where, um, you know, we we have these great people that want to do the work for our people, but it's contract-based work. So then what happens is they move on. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, you know, my focus was, like, community. How can I give back? Um, but also creating impact, right? So, you know, always wanting to be that role model, to be supportive, like, you know, I'm indigenous, like, you know, what can I do, right? So mm -hmm. in, my, in my head, in my mind is like, if all of our people can't have a voice at a table, I wanna be one of the voices, even if it's short term. Um, so from there, moved home, started our lives in the in Penetang machine. Um, you know, just those contract jobs, right? Um, you know, gaining funding for myself. Um, I think along the way, I've always done like my little art biz on the side. Um, so, you know, moccasins, I've probably made hundreds of pairs that I don't even remember, um, like dream catchers and stuff. So I've always just kind of like had my little art stuff on the side, painting, like um, throughout that, it's always been like, on the back burner um when i have the chance to do it i really focus in on it i really love doing it um i love i love making things beautiful right and if it's something that i don't know i want to learn um so along the way of like you know i've had these amazing people who've shared their knowledge so one of the biggest thing is cultural appropriation right mm, um yeah. so with our art it's it's tough right like it's it's Quill work is like a dying art. Not a lot of people know it. I remember my great grandmother, my papa's mom, she would sit at the table with us as little kids and she would just make boxes, right? And then I think of all the time and the effort of not learning those skills. I think it's important for me as I get older that like, okay, I need to learn these skills so I can pass on to my kids so that they can teach like my next seven generations that I want my grandkids to know that like their brand taught them and then we're keep passing it on, right? But mm -hmm. if we if we keep that knowledge to ourselves, how do we pass that on? So I think it's fine people who are willing to share that art source. Um, you know, all of my art right now is really indigenous focused. Uh, I'm doing a lot of the work. Uh, I, I'm teaching myself how to make moss bags. Um, 
the position I hold, which is fantastic right now, is I get to work for an indigenous organization, uh, Women's Group, and I'm the Skibinoji Wellbeing Worker. So my role is playing moms with children zero to three in pre and postnatal care. So I'm doing an early infant mental health development for indigenous women and families. Um, so through that, I'm actually able to incorporate some of the skills and knowledge that I've gained. So to me, art isn't like just like a physical painting. Like that's not how I see art. I see art as, you know, I get to get these moss egg teachings. Why do we as indigenous people use moss eggs? You know, how can I give these skills to these moms and so that they can utilize it for their family future generations? You know, they're doing these beautiful moss eggs to keep their children safe, right? That we used right. to do. So it's kind of like I've got this cool spectrum of like what I can do and what I can share. So I always take that where I've like, you know, had opportunity to work with community based. Um, so yeah, so like, you know, it's it's important for me and for people to know this stuff because I, yeah. I think of like, you know, my grand sitting at the table and I didn't ask questions. So I think one of the biggest things is like not hoarding those skills or knowledge. I need to share it. So, you know, my little art pieces and making more beautiful little bits and little families at a time. And you know, I, I, I think I don't think that'll ever change. Uh, I made my all my very artistic and um, you know, when they do get a little old and they have a little more patience, that I'll start teaching them leather work and like beading skills and you know, the teachings that go along with like those moss bags and why we do that as people. So yeah, so I think it's just I I just think like you know my culture is so full of like amazing amazing indigenous artists that like full spectrum right like totally. painting carvers like you know it's just absolutely beautiful. So I'm like. Every time I'm talking about like indigenous beadwork or anything like that, it's you know these people put time and sweat. Like it's it's not simple. It's not easy. It takes hours and hours to be because you're doing every single bead one at a time. Yeah. So it's like you know I just I think it's one of the most important things for people. Like to me, like okay, our people are sharing their skills but they should also be compensated, compensated for those skills that they do have, right? Because like, you know, it's easy just to go to a store and buy something that's mass produced in China, right? When you have individuals who are doing custom work or telling their story through like their art, right? Which is beating. So I actually like, somebody asked for a custom rooster. So I made them a rooster and I mean, it's, because she, her mother-in-law is like obsessed with roosters. So, you know, she was like in tears because she's so pumped for this because it's so special to them. So, you know, being a part of that, I'm like, ooh, like my art now is, she gets to wear this brooch and like, I made that. And, you know, I just, that little piece of like indigenous culture is like in that, it has meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's just, that's, that's what I am as indigenous artist, yeah. And what you said about making things instead of, you know, buying stuff in, from China and all this other stuff. Have you found that mm -hmm. there's a resurgence of demand for that kind of thing? Um, from from my world, working at Henry's, there's a huge resurgence of film and art at like a real grassroots kind of level. Um, everybody wanting to bring back film cameras and disposable cameras. I'm sure it's the same thing with art in general. People wanting to get something handmade rather than something mass produced. 
Yeah, I think it makes it a little more personal, right? Like, you know, as an artist, like I tell everybody, like, okay, like, what are you looking for? What colors are you looking for? And when I'm doing that, I'm totally focused. Like, just before we got on, actually, tonight, I'm beating myself a piece. So I say, oh, man, constantly. So I'm making myself a little brooch that I can wear on my scarf that says, oh, man. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's funny. Yeah. And so it's, my husband laughs because I just like just to make people laugh it, it's like you know or like they're looking at your art piece and they're like what and then they ask questions right so i think like it's so personal like it's you know getting like handmade stuff there's nothing like it because like i know i'm at the point where it's like you know i'd rather get custom pieces. I can make myself a ton of earrings, like beaded indigenous earrings, right? I could probably sell them. I don't have the time, but if I can purchase and support another indigenous artist who's like, you know, trying to make a living doing this, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I'm gonna give them the seven bucks or whatever. I can make it, my husband is crazy because he knows I can make all this and I keep getting, I'm like, ooh, look at what I bought. He's like, you could have made those. And I'm like, I know. But it's bigger than but that. But I'm also yeah. supporting her. Yeah, like I'm supporting her as an artist, right? So, right. yeah, it's, it's cool. I think it's awesome that, like, you know, society is taking a big turn, right? Because, I mean, right now I can go online, I can go on Insta, I can go on Facebook, and I can look, I can type in beading, and I will get hundreds yes. of individuals doing Indigenous beading from all over the world. And... I think to back when I was like a teenager, that's not something I could have found. It's not something that I could just go online and look for, right? That's so, what I was going to ask you. you know, about. Why do you think that is? Mm -hmm. Why do you think um, it was gone for so long? So, so here's here's my thought process of like being an indigenous woman as an adult. Uh, I think like you know the traumatic effects of like that blood trauma that we did have. Um, you know, like the generations are different, right? So, you know, you have those individuals who are very um, church going people, right? Like my parents, like we're all baptized. We were church going people. We go on weekends or whatever. Um, you know, my parents didn't have language or whatever. And I think that created impact. So then you have the generation of my grandparents who didn't speak about like being indigenous or that like pride thing. But I think that's the effect of residential school, right? So it's like ingrained in them that it wasn't okay to be Ojibwe, that it wasn't okay to right. be indigenous. You're not supposed to speak your language. So all these things like created impact for each one of us. So my parents were very much like English, like they went like taken from their community, had to stay in town to go to the schools locally because there wasn't enough. Uh, I think they only went up to a certain grade on the island because our community is uh, an island. So then like, you know, my parents grew up French community, um, you know, not very, I don't want to say that they weren't proud to be Indigenous, but it was a little, it was hush, a hush. little kind of a gray area. Yeah, like, you know, whereas, you know, my sister and myself, so my sister's 42 and I'm 40, and then I have an older sister who's 50, and then I have a younger sister, but our generation is very much what we've endured from our grandparents, I think has created strength in us as people. Hmm. What's starting to happen is you're starting to have those, you know, those kids that are like on a soapbox saying, and I always use the reference of a soapbox because I just picture little kids like, look at me, listen to me, here I am in your face. So we say like little soapbox kids because 
what they endured, they weren't able to speak about it, but we as a generation now are, are giving those voices to our grandparents where they didn't have that. So I think like, you know, it's, to me, it's, I always think, okay, how proud, how proud can I make my grand? And, and even though my grand has passed, it's been years, she, was, she passed in 2014. And I think of everything I do, she sees me from spirit world. And it's like, how can I make my family proud? Well, you know, being a strong indigenous woman in 2021, is so important to me because my kids are going to look up and be like, oh man, when my mom was like, she needed to know everything. My mom, like, you know, she, she had to ask questions. She wanted answers. And I think because of the way our, our generation is right now is that, you know, we are proud to be indigenous. We are the ones that are going to create change for those that weren't heard before. And, you, you know, I think, be. yeah. And, and now and is I the think time. it's just, yeah, now, and like, and, you know, I mean, everybody is so shocked and stuff that we stand in the background and saying like, you know, you know, it's, it is shocking, but in the end, it's like, okay, but what are we going to do? Right. What is going to be done about it? Right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're like, uh, we're such a strong nation right now that like, you know, we're grieving, we're, we're mm -hmm. grieving. Like, you know, it's, you know, how, how do we move past this and create change and impact for our future generations? So, you know, I think, you know, it's constant conversation in our home with my, my daughters. So their dad is French. So it's kind of, I, I love my husband. I love that he's so open to me being so passionate about being indigenous. Um, my kids, first and foremost, are initially clay. That's who they are. They're from BFN, um, you know, and I understand they're half French, but to me, they they look Indigenous. And to me, a priority is that my girls will be able to stand on their own um, to, like, you know, be able to deal with racism, right? And And to me, it's so hard because it's like, I don't want them to feel that, but I think, you know, as long as I instill in them that it's okay to be Anishinaabe, to have that voice, that I will always have your back. Um, they need to be able to stand up and, you know, especially for our people, right? Because some of our people don't have that voice. So, I mean, being a strong advocate for the right thing for our people, who, I mean, it's scary, right? So I always think of my parents, <laughs> they're like, you know, I get very vocal about being Indigenous and about like the flight of our people. And, you know, how else can I support other people who may not have the books that I have, right? And I always ask my parents, because my dad's like, whoa, you can't say that. And I love my folks. And I said, you've made me this way, though. Like, you guys have created this. Like, this is gave you the strength new, to be right? that way. Yeah. 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 And, and it's cool. Like, you know, my husband's very supportive. My my girls get it. And I, I always tell them, like, you know, this is Auntie, this is mommy on her soapbox. So I tell my nephews, like, you know, this is Auntie on her soapbox. If you need me, I'm like, I will legit 100% stay behind you. I'm like, but don't ever say you're not happy in Anishinaabe because that's who we are and that's not going to ever change. Right. So that's very I impressive. If I could do. Yeah, like, it's cool. Like, it's, you know, just, I think, em embracing who I was, like, before, I mean, like, you know, I 
you know, I didn't grow up. So we grew up on the reserve, but we did. So our community is an island, but there's a small piece of the mainland. So we have been this place on the mainland. Uh, there's a little community of us in Cedar Point where it's like 13 homes. Um, so we were actually bused to town schools. And so we went to like, you know, a local little French Catholic school. And, you know, it was me and my sisters were the only three indigenous kids in the whole school. So, I mean, we stood out, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, like it's, it was kind of different for me, I think, growing up. But I mean, I was always in the community because like my cousins were there and stuff and we'd visit. And yeah, it's just like, you know, what do we... What do we do as people? Well, we have to create this place for ourselves. So I think even through artwork, it's so impactful because it wasn't there. So now we as indigenous people are saying, like, you know, considering the effects of what the idea behind residential schooling was, was it 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 didn't shatter us as a people. It made us so much stronger. Every single kid that they found, it, it made us stronger as a people, even though we're grieving as a nation. We're still sitting there saying, like, you know, you did everything you could to take away who we were, but you couldn't, right? Yeah. So it's so, to me, it's so important that people just ask questions, right? Like, you know, why did this happen? What are you doing? Like, Trudeau, like, all these things. And it's like, but okay, how how do we move forward, right? And, and I think a lot of our people are figuring out you know, how, how are we going to do this? Like, how are, how are we going to change society's views of Indigenous people? I mean, I, I know some fantastic Indigenous people, and then I'm like, you know, there's still that racial piece, right? Like, you know, hey, there's Indians. Sorry, like, we're, we're educated. We're, like, so strong, proud as the people, and we bring so much knowledge to what people perceive, I think. Yeah. And, and you know, Canadian history in high school has to change. It, it's killing me. And yes. I yes, like it does. Big and time. I tell my kids all the time, I said, if you need to challenge your teachers, challenge your teachers. And I said, there will be no repercussions. And I said, if you need me to go into your classroom and challenge your teacher with you, I will do that as your mother. And like my nephew is like, in kindergarten and I say that to him all the time my sister's like hey calm down and I was like if he needs Andy I will come to the classroom but I'm like you know that's the biggest thing is that you know we we don't have enough of our own people working in these capacity spaces to actually create that impact or like you know sometimes it is challenging right because I question my kids all the time about school like how was it what did you guys talk about like and I know that they get worried because, like, oh no, like if I say the wrong thing, mom's gonna go all crazy and sit on her soapbox. I need them to know that it's right? like. And I think I think we're at a time where there's there is changes happening, which is amazing. Um, you know, our people are just getting stronger. Um, you know, I have like you know I have a role model that I look up to, like a lot of my aunts and stuff. Um, my cousin, my one cousin, is going for her PhD right now. Um, you know, and this is just like, I'm like, hey, man, it's it's my cousin. And I think of like, you know, people like, oh, like, you know, um, 
you know, what, like, what would you do? I, I don't know, man. Like, my cousin's going for her PhD. I'm going to be pretty proud of her having a doctorate. Like, yeah. and then I tell my kids all the time, like, I do not care what you do in life as long as it makes you happy. But then I'm like, we have all these great role models behind us, right? So, <clears throat> yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think, like, you know, having my own family created, like, something in me that has changed about who I am is how can I bring this around to benefit my kids and myself, right? So, well, one of the things that I was reading, and again, it's going back to the residential schools because yeah, yeah. this is this is something that's a I didn't really know about until it was just announced yeah. this past year or year it was this past year year before ish, right? Time has flown. It's, uh, gone yeah, time like yeah. In the spring, and, and, right? Like, that's right. And yeah. it's crazy to me because every time I'd mention it to somebody, like, can you believe this stuff actually happened to people that have lived here? I, I've lived in the States for quite a while and, and went back and forth. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when I mentioned it to somebody here, they're like, oh, yeah, we knew about that. It was so known about. And I did a little research and, and the actual, um, there's a, a manual, uh, 2013, the overview of the Indian residential school system. And one of the things they, they say here is that the, what was it for? It was to assimilate the Indian people mm -hmm. into a civilized society. Now, I'm confused because I see the culture as being the top level of civil, being civilized. You have respect for the land. You have respect for the people. Mm -hmm. You have respect for the elders and the children. Yeah. And, and it's nothing... Culture in the culture, exactly, yeah. music, art, all these things. Um, to me, that is more civilized than a society that will take a group of people and force them to be different and to assimilate into any other society. So mm -hmm. how do, I mean, and this just ended in 1996. I mean, we're not talking yeah. a generation ago. We're talking like this generation that this was still going on. How do, how do you and your family um, just pick up and be like, okay, well, my grandparents lived through this my parents so were felt to be not to talk about this because it was so hard and now you're that next generation that is taking the mantle and so, standing on your soap yeah box. yeah so so to create impact and give perspective like my papa's still here like my papa is still physically on this earth right now now you say your papa um, so, I, my papa was so, my grandfather yeah, so my papa is my mom's dad. So oh, okay. he's Same still deal. here. Yeah. So yeah. So he so three of my grandparents out of my four were taken to residential schools. Um uh one of my my dad's dad was taken and my mom's both of her parents were taken to residential schools. Um, you know, I always to put it into perspective for, for people, so my papa is still here. Uh he still drives around town. Um, you know, we grew up not knowing that they were like it wasn't something that was talked about um we they both loved us like all of my grandparents just loved us and uh, i i mean i said like you know after i found out and i asked questions and like you know heard a bit from my gran and heard a bit from my grandpa um you know i was like man like all the stuff that they endured in these schools um all they did was love us as their grandkids. I didn't know any different, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, that they were like in this horrible place. My grandparents were very they good to jaded us. and um, mean about it. And... No, no. And really it wasn't easy. like, you know, 
And I said, like, they lived like 80 years holding this in. And I mean, you know, they're just the kindest people and they just love all of us. So to create impact. So my grandfather, the impacts of, so I did a, like, um, kind of like a family tree for just his side. And had the situation been different just from my grandpa. So it was my grandpa and all of his siblings, which I think there was seven of them. So they were all taken. All of them were taken from my big grandpa, my grandpa's mom. Um, so, so the blood trauma, so like, you know, those, that bloodline from my grandpa, it would have impacted, I believe it was 82 of us. So like my mom, her kids, her great grandkids, my aunts, their kids, their grandkids. Mm. So it's like, you know, that's just my grandpa. He's only one person. Right. And then like, you know, there's my grand, there was my Papa Charlie. So it's, you know, and then I see like my cousins and stuff. And when I actually broke it down, I was like, man, I'm so proud of like every single one of us. Right. Like, you know, just you know, being able to just be who we are. But like, I mean, even on the Stephen Harper address, like the one thing I'll never forget is my grand said, like, she was happy it happened to her. Like, why would you say that? Right. And then I was like, my grand carried this for like 84, 80 years. And she's just like, it will never have to happen to these guys. And I was like, who, who says that? Right? And then I was like, you know, for her carrying that her whole entire life. And, and she just, you know, in her thought process, okay, it happened to us, but it won't ever happen to my kids. It won't happen to my grandkids. It won't happen to my great-grandkids, right? And, you know, I think that's where my soapbox thing comes from, right? Is that my grandma couldn't talk about it. And then, so I'm able to like, you know, tell my sisters that I'm so proud of them. And then I think about like my daughters being able to look up at them and be like, man, like all the stuff our people endured, look at my auntie's going for her PhD, like my one aunt nurse, like all these things, like people in our community, like, you know, um, we had a, a pretty famous artist from our own community, Bill Minag, and he had passed a couple years ago. And to us, our kids, like it was devastating because he was like our first, he was kind of like our first like superhero, right? Like he was, he was local, he was indigenous from our community, and he actually created impact. And like, you know, I see Bill's pieces and I love them knowing that like, you know, there is this role model from our community that was expressing himself the best way he could, right? For his whole entire life. And yeah, I think, I think we just, you know, we have a lot that was supposed to be taken away from us, I think was the intention, but I think it just, as we grow, as we grow as a nation, we just, we just keep getting stronger. I mean, you know, yeah. I, that, there's like, you can say what you want, but we are like, as a nation, we're the strongest people that we could possibly be. And I think like supporting our youth is priority. Like, you know, educate our kids, uh, tell them the truth. Right. And that's yes. my biggest thing. If my kids ask a question, I will tell them the truth. It may hurt. And, you know, I always tell them it's not their burden to carry. But if we don't, if we don't talk about it, then what was the point? Right. Like, yeah. it, it's so hard not to think of educating people, um, you know, and if you're if you're totally ignorant to everything, like, you know, you have to ask the question. Right. Because you're not going to get an answer. So then everything becomes misconstrued and like, you know, people like hearsay and like, you know, that's the biggest problem is that people aren't asking the questions 
or maybe not the right questions or the right people to ask, right? So yeah, that's, it's kind that's of- That's a big point right there, the right yeah. person to ask, because I wanted to ask a lot of these questions to a lot of people, but it just, you don't want to offend and you, you at the same time, you want to make sure the, um, it's coming from a place of, of sharing and creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yep. And I, I really appreciate that you're you're being so open about this. And I even said in, in my notes here how um, it, it's it's one thing to hear about these things in school and to be taught in school from some sort of political yeah. politically motivated uh, place, but it's a completely different thing to hear about it from somebody who's actually understood it and lived it. And so it's really important that we have you here, and I, I appreciate that very much. Yeah. And what, um, and what I what I like is is that the whole idea was, as you said, they were, they were trying to take your uh, identity away. They were trying to take your culture from you, yeah. and um, your community stood up and said, "You can try, but you're not going to." And and mm -hmm. now it's coming out the other end even stronger, and it's growing. Uh, so I I think that's just phenomenal. Um, well, and I think, I think too, like, you know, when Lindsay had approached me, so Lindsay, Lindsay was uh, one of my first friends that I made at Sheridan. And, you know, she's a small town kid too, right? And it kind of worked out great because she wasn't far from where I lived. Um, so we became really good friends. So when she reached out to me, I was kind of like, oh, like, weird. She's like, oh, so my friend has this podcast. And I was like, uh, I don't know if this is like, <laughs> what's going on? So I talked about it with a couple of people, like a couple of uh, my my sounding boards. And I was like, uh, should I do this? And so we kind of had a couple conversations. And I said, you know, like, I'm like, information is important, right? So mm -hmm. I always think of, you know, our, our position as indigenous family, right, is to me, we need allies, right? And I mean, a platform is a great opportunity to create those relationships. Um, you know, we we do need allies. And I'm so happy and grateful that I do have, you know, my group of people behind me every time I need them. Um, you know, not every single one of them are Indigenous, but I know I can count on them, um, you know, and they're, they're out there educating people too, which I think is amazing and fantastic because we can't do it alone, right? Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. you know, your voice is bigger in numbers, so, yeah. Well, it's totally true. I mean, we all have so many things to, that we can we can learn from each other. And we, we all need to have people who are open to learning. And, and that's the big problem. I think the, the cultures that we all live in have is there's so many people who are just very into, and I think maybe COVID might've even done some of this too, is everybody's into self-protection, you know, mm -hmm. prote self-protection mode, and they don't want to deal with other people's problems. But when the residential school thing came out, it was like, there was no way to avoid how horrible this was. And there, mm -hmm. and I felt guilty and I felt uh, horrible that there was nothing I was able to do about it or, uh, or anything like that. So I thought I want to be an ally. I, I absolutely want to be an ally to uh, not just your culture, but the cultures in general that have mm -hmm. had people pull them down because there's, there's just no place for it in, in our yeah. world that we're living anymore. No. So I, I commend you a lot for being strong enough to stand on your soapbox yeah. and to say, okay. this is what, you know, people need to hear. Um, Mark, before we go into just talking about Amber's art, because yeah. it's great to get into the history and, and to hear your perspective. And again, I, I want to, not again, but we talked about this before we, we hit record. Uh, these perspectives that you have are yours, 
I, I do want to make it clear that yes. you're not speaking for your entire community. You no. mentioned this to us earlier, and I respect that. And and you can only speak from a place that you know. Um, so mm -hmm. that that that's great that we're getting that honesty. But at the same time, we're here to have fun. We're here to talk about art. And we're here to talk about the passion things that you do. And I love some of the stuff that you've done. Um, I want a pair of the moccasins that you've made. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm not just saying that. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, but uh, I know you're busy and doing a lot of other things, so I don't want to put that pressure on you. But, Mark, you've got open here uh, um, Amber's page. So maybe we yes. can bring that up. And, Amber, yep. you can walk us through some of the things that uh, that you've created here. Look at this. Mark has his cat on his lap. I've got I know. This, is, this, is, this is Merlin, actually. It's rare. He's, he never comes around. He's uh... Usually you've got Nitro up there. Yeah, no, normally I'm surprised my dog's not crying yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, Amber, it's funny because in the notes you said you had um, two children, two dogs? Uh, no, we have, uh, I have two girls. Um, and then I have my dog, my COVID dog, Buster. We got him right before COVID shut everything down. Okay. Oh, and nice. then uh, we have a little betta fish and a ball python. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say between your two children, your your dog and your husband, you had four children, but you have oh, man. many. It totally is. Yeah. My house is filled with kids. Nonstop. <laughs> always asking for something. <laughs> yeah. That's so you, needless to say, you're very busy. All the um, time, all the time. So how, how do you find time to do all this? So I don't sleep much. Um, okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm honestly, I, I'm not a good sleeper. I got a Fitbit and I realized I'm not a good sleeper at all. Um, I go to bed pretty late, so if I'm up. <laughs> I think oh, we're man. all in the same boat yeah. here. Yeah. Right? So oh, I yes. like stay up late. I'll, I'll, if I get five hours of sleep, that's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. That's a long night of sleep for us, yeah. Yeah, months. right? Like, yeah. if I make it to six, man, I've slept in. Like, half my day is gone already. Um, <laughs> no, I've always been a, I've always been an early riser. Uh, it wasn't something my parents let us sleep in very often. It wasn't something we did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I get up early. I, I, you know, I enjoy my quietness where my kids are asleep. My dogs are not in my face. Um, so I get up and I, I, you know, I'll do some beadwork. When I have the opportunity uh, in the top left corner there, um, my papa had asked me, so he doesn't actually ever ask for anything. So he'd asked me to make him a guitar strap. Um, so it was pretty cool. It was exciting for him to ask me that. Um, he's That's an cool. avid guitar player. Okay. So I made him one. And then actually, so I tried to make a piece where there was a story to it. So, you know, he's my papa, obviously. Um, but I actually created like little berries. So there's representation of like my grandpa and my mom, um, and then me and my sisters, and then all of his grandkids. So each berry represented like our family tree kind from my okay. mom's line so it's pretty cool like he was so appreciative he come over one day i was like hey papa like if you're in town come over to the house i finished it he's like what you finished it i'm like yeah come over so he was excited so yeah awesome. so like yeah it's pretty cool like getting to do some custom pieces for people um yeah it's just you know it's I, I always think like, you know, all these people are just gonna see my grandpa playing around like with his little papa guitar strap which is kind of cool like you know i mean yeah. he's yeah, but what, to him, it means it means everything. Yeah, Absolutely, like yeah. he's he's eighty five. Like I got to make my papa a guitar strap. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, my dad that's awesome. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so it's those. pretty cool, <laughs> man. Like yeah, and you know, like 
my I think the one year my my papa's brother my my great uncle Al he we were at our family camp so there's usually like 75 of us camping together at our family's property and so my uncle came over and he's like can you make me a golf cover and I was like what are you talking about he's like I want to beat a golf cover for my club and I'm like I guess like I can try to figure it out so I did I ended up making them one so it has like our family name essence on the bottom piece so it was pretty cool so I made it all like I had to put some velcro on it so yeah he carries it in his caddy which is cool yeah and you're cool. you're learning how to do it while you're doing it yeah, yeah I, I had no idea like I'm like this is the most obscure thing like I've never had a golf club in my life and I'm making this golf cover so yeah, yeah. so I've had some pretty cool things that I've made. I've made hundreds of moccasins. I don't even know how many I've made at this point. How do you actually apply the beadwork? Is it, what, what tools do you use for that? Is it a modern tool or are you using something that's traditional? And no, I'm just like, I'm just using like modern like needles and okay. stuff, needles, thread. Um, you know, depending on what I'm making, I like, you know, I know that. Yeah. So those are all just like needle beadwork. So that probably took me the beadwork probably took me maybe 10 hours of beadwork to get hmm. those two pieces finished. And okay. then I had to put the mitts together and then I had to create a liner and then the fur and fur is messy. Just so you guys know, it's the messiest thing to work with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you about that actually, because one of the things that you said in, in the questions that we got back from you, when we ask you some of the top five things, uh, one of those things was cleaning your first porcupine. Yeah, so that was cool. So the story behind it is me and my husband were driving from Barrie. And so, you know, like there's there's like times a year where you should get uh, a porcupine, like if you're going to like actually dequill a porcupine. So uh, we were driving back on the back road coming from Barrie, coming home, and it was just the two of us. So a friend of mine told me, you should keep a blanket in your car. And I was like, Okay, for what? He's like, if you ever find a fresh porcupine, like, then you get to put in a blanket. I'm like, okay, like, I'll keep stuff in the car. I don't know if I'll ever pick one up. So me <laughs> and my husband were driving, coming up to this little bridge. I was like, that looked fresh. That looked like a fresh porcupine. He's like, are we stopping? So I stop, back up the car. <laughs> are we actually doing this? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... I'm like, babe, here, I'll put the blanket down. Like, he's like, how do you expect? To? So he's trying to find a stick to roll this fat porcupine into my blanket. He was like, what are we going to do with this? I'm like, I'm going to go home and quill it, like dequill it. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. So we brought it home and it took me, it took me like, probably like half a day to get the whole thing cleaned. So like just taking the quills off of the porcupine. So then like, we, we don't have a huge property. So my husband took it to the back and buried it. And so I was like, just put the body back there. And he's like, okay. So then I was like, okay, so I've got half the process done. I've cleaned this porcupine roadkill that I found that was fresh, which was great. Cause I was like, at least it's not sitting. So then I was like, cleaned it. And then I had to wash all the quills, dry them off. And then I was like, this is insane. I'm never doing this again. It's so <laughs> much work, but I do. I keep a blanket in my car just in case I decide to grab more. But I mean, that whole porcupine, I am like hoarding them, right? Like I even have a jar sitting here. That's, I have this little jar. So oh, it's like wow. the size of my hand, but I have a box upstairs in my room that says, be careful quills. So what do you um, just, use them for? Um, so like, 
so I do want to make quill boxes one day. Uh, I really want to learn how to do that. So um, my big grand used to do it. So my papa's mom. So I want to, so indigenous art, if you ever come across quill boxes, they're so time consuming, but they're beautiful. Um, you know, my grand, so my papa had gifted um, some quill boxes that she had made uh, to my mom and then he had gifted me a couple. So I think the earliest one he said that my big granny made was in 1962. And I opened the lid and it still smells like sweet grass, but she actually decorated the top of it with quills. Um, so it looks like a little flower on the top. So they're like, you know, they're beautiful. They're absolutely stunning. And like, you can't even put a price on that, right? Like every no. time I'm out, I'm just like, man, like, it's so cool to think that like my grand would just like get porcupines dropped off at her house and like she'd quill them off and like, you know, clean them up and make all this beautiful art. So that's my next bucket list is that I need to learn how to make a quill box. So yeah, so I, I use it sometimes like even my one pin here, I actually put quills in the center of the flower. Um, okay. So I use them on like earrings and stuff, but like I keep them cause I'm like, I don't want to waste them. So I know that there's like people that use the hair from the porcupine. So you don't get a whole lot. Like it's very time consuming, time consuming separating it, but like they'll make roaches for regalia and stuff. So like you'll have, um, uh, the hair all braided into a piece for the men's for their roach dancing mm -hmm. or their roaches. And then they'll have like, they'll put some on bustles and yeah, it's like, you know, the whole piece is used. So it's pretty cool. That's amazing. So beautiful. Yeah. That is cool. That yeah. is cool. And then, and then the, the dream catcher. So obviously you, you, you do all the leather work, you make the, the web. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I want to tan one day. I want to learn how to tan. So a community member, uh, she's a youth from our community. She's learning how to tan right now. So she's invited me out in the spring. So I'm going to see if I can actually go out and tan a hide with her, which is kind of neat. Uh, you know, it's another skill that would be good to have. I love that you I think mean, these things are so neat. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I said to my husband, maybe I'll become a hunter. Maybe I'll get my own moose. Maybe I'll tan my own hides. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a full-time job and four kids living in my house. <laughs> four kids, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day there'll be time. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. But that's awesome. And and the really cool thing is, and you talked about uh, obviously mass produced things versus what's handmade. And, and we've talked about this before with other creatives on the show. When you talked about those mitts and you said, okay, it was 10 hours of work and, and then, mm -hmm. and they had to do the fur and the liner and stitch them together. Uh, I'm thinking you, you probably spent, I mean, e even if I said 20 hours on that pair of mittens and then you, you were selling them for $75, that's, three dollars and fifty cents an hour so <laughs> yeah right um, like i'm definitely down, not right? in it so or three dollars and 75 cents an hour yeah so <laughs> i definitely so it's, like it's changed uh you yeah. know that was you know just starting out figuring things out um you know moccasins are one of the things that uh you know i've i've done so many and they're so time consuming that i did like increase pricing only because like it's so expensive right yeah. like you know a deer hide is 140 dollars for yeah. a piece of deer hide right and we're talking yeah. like maybe a six and a half foot yeah. deer hide so i mean like it is time consuming. So I always tell everybody if you're if you're not willing to invest in the piece, you're you know, yeah. like my time is like, you know, I'm not doing it right after school because we have routine, right? Like I have two kids. Um, yeah. so my my time is 
late at night at bedtime and first thing in the morning before I go to my full-time job. Um, It's on the weekends when my kids have plans, so I'm not taking time away from them. So I always tell people, if you're looking for a flip turnaround on like a piece in one to two weeks, I'm not your person. (laughs) Oh yeah, I need that by Christmas, by the way. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) And that's that's what I'm finding right now is it's kind of cool how our people are working it because, um, you know, they're doing raffles, they're doing draws. um, They're only opening for so many projects because they're so bombarded with stuff right now um and i think it's amazing because we've adapted right like okay well i can't go to powwow trail which is the usual place where we get our our stuff right so now our people have created this social platform where they're like doing draws they're opening up time slots but you have to be able to jump on quickly to get a time slot right or Hmm. they'll get a bunch of pieces together and then they do like okay, guys, my quick sale is happening. You have to be on the ball and that's it. Like nothing else is available. You can't do custom orders right this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, if I want artwork, man, I gotta be quick and fast. Like sure. my husband, yeah. I've missed out on so much stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's it's important for, for everyone to know, and I've said this before, that when you're looking at a piece like, like um, this leather and beadwork, um, item that we've got on the screen now. Um, it's a, obviously it's a piece of art, um, and it says it says that it's wall art. Um, but this this isn't something that took you five minutes to do. This is this is something that you put time and and love into. And when people are um, when people are looking at the at a, a piece like this. If, if the price seems a little bit high, that's because they're not just buying the art, they're buying your time and your effort and also your knowledge yeah. of how to do this. So um, it's not a mass produced piece that's that's come off an assembly line and, and it's not machine made. Um, so when, when you're looking at these pieces, you're going to pay a little bit more for them if, if that's what you want. If, if yeah. you want a piece that's going to look different, like my guess is, is you don't have two of these that look the same. So, yeah. so, so this was going to be wall art and I yeah. ended up making them earrings. Okay. Um, so I do have two and they are not identical. They're completely different. And yeah. that's the funny thing is even if I plan to make them. So if I, if I cut my pattern piece, right. And I draw it out or whatever, cause I like to freehand. I'm not like, I'm not going to go and print a picture off. So most of my stuff is freehanded stuff. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I was expecting them to be the same. No, they're, they're totally different. They're same, same, yeah. but different. <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of these, these pieces. There is no two pieces the same. They are one of their own and you're, you're never going to, you're never, it's not like the, the t-shirt that I'm wearing that I could walk down the street and see somebody wearing the identical t-shirt. Yeah. And I know that I've had people ask for same pieces. So I'm like, they're similar, but different. I'm like, it's always, it's never the same. Like it won't ever be the same, no matter how hard I try. That's me personally. Some people I've seen them where it's like bang on. I'm like, oopsie, there's like a piece of red where there should have been a blue, but I'm like, oh, it was dark. I was having coffee. Like, you know, and, and I think it just makes it like, I always have friends who, I'm my own worst critic, right? Like, you know, I'm like, oh man, I could have done it better. And then I'm like, friends are like, oh, it just makes it special because of that Mm -hmm. one small bead being a different color than the rest of them, right? And and it's cool. Like I've had some cool, some cool stuff told to me by friends of mine who are artists as well. 
Um, like, you know, that everything has spirit, right? So our culture, we're connected to, you know, everything, everything has life, everything has spirit. Um, you know, it's all around us. And, you know, even in my artwork, like my friend, so when my kids were little, I, I was like, okay, I can bead with my kids around. No, that was a bad idea. So my youngest, <laughs> my youngest would put her hands in the beads, but then I'd be sitting there and all of a sudden it was like, what's that sound? Well, it was her pushing the beads out of the drawer and uh, it would go all over. So I'm like, Oh, so my friends like, you know, don't forget every time you're beating, put the love in, like, you know, all those good feelings and good thoughts. And he was like, and don't forget every bead has spirit. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you know, everything that you're doing has spirit. So don't forget if you drop some, you should pick them up. I'm like, I'm not picking them up after Tannis, man. Like there's too much beads on the floor. <laughs> like can't do it. So yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like, you know, like, yeah. I'm very fortunate that like I, you know, I, uh, I never to my own horn when it comes to my artwork and stuff. And, you know, I don't want to overcharge people, but my time is a lot. Right. So, yeah. you know, I'm now I'm realizing that my time is very limited just because of how busy I am with everything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. like I do get to do some pieces, man. I get oh, those are totally cool. focused. Yeah. Yeah, cool. so those are a couple keychains that I was able to make and stuff. So I've done, I've done, I don't even know how many of those I've done now. But I don't know. Yeah, the, like, the description says a little girly, and I'm like, I would have one of those. Those are cool. Well, I would <laughs> right? too. I mean, my my friend Daniel is getting into doing some leather work, and oh, he's cool. made me uh, little keychains for for my stuff. And I would love having a loop keychain. Yeah. So, so do seeing I. these, that would be yeah. awesome. That is cool. Like if, but, if yeah. you had stock on these, that you wouldn't have to go and make them. I would get oh, one man. of these from one for myself and, and one for Shelly. I know my husband always laughs. He's like, you know, he's like, the problem with you is you post stuff on Facebook and Instagram and you don't have anything because everybody buys it. And yeah. like, oh. I'm like, that's I'm a good like, problem to have. I was going to say that's a, that's a good problem it to is. have for yeah. sure. But uh, the alternative. absolutely beautiful. The, the beadwork, the, the, the webbing, the leather. I love it all. Um, it's uh it's amazing. And, and living, living here in Thunder Bay, I haven't found, I, I need to go find a spot that sells local art and local pieces. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there is one, but with COVID, I haven't done too much exploring in the two years I've been here, yeah. but uh, I, I find myself with all the time now. So I think I will, uh, I will definitely do that. I'll load the puppies in the car and, uh, and take them for, uh, take them for a walk yeah. and while, a, while I'm out, I'll look. There's a few good artists. Um, what are they? I, I know that. I just ordered a bunch of fabric. Um, yeah, Thunder Bay, there's like some fantastic people doing some amazing artwork. I've got some artwork from somebody named uh, Deanna Terrell. Um, and she does like line work, like nobody's business, like just freehand pen and they're beautiful. Like, and yeah, like she, I think it took her 20 minutes to do my initial name is Pichiklai, so it's Robin Woman. And she like drew this crazy quick painting with a marker and i was like man this is insane i love this yeah so yeah i voted a few pieces from her um but yeah thunder bay is filled with amazing beaters and like you know we just did a beating workshop with a couple of girls that work out in thunder bay um so they were teaching me uh the peyote stitch so this is so the way i do beadwork like these uh, little dream catchers i do a wrap style so all you're doing is taking it and wrapping it around the hoop right so i'm okay. just creating my pattern and just going around but there's another stitch called peyote stitch 
and you kind of do one bead in, one bead out kind of thing. Okay. Oh man, I'm telling you, it's the most timing, time consuming bead work. And I was like, I'll never do it again, guys. Like that's my <laughs> one thing. I'm like, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. And I like, you know, I can do a, a brooch and do the one bead, but doing that peyote stitch is something else. Yeah. I'm like, you I can't funny. do it. <laughs> the peyote stitch sounds a lot to me like Don Comareska's macro photography with focus stacking. Yeah. It's like yeah. you, you've got that in your world and in the photography world, you've got like this multi-layered focus stacking with all these fine details you have to go through. I know how to do it. I just yeah. don't want to. <laughs> oh man, right? Like, you know, even when I went to school for photography, I just tell my kids like it's education so important, right? Like, you know, yeah. and then I was like, I went to school for like, I loved photography. I loved everything about being in a dark room, you know, making other people see what I see. And then Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'll never use math. And then I got to school at Sheridan and I was like, this is so much math, you guys, like way more (laughs) math than I ever anticipated. So yeah, like, it's cool though. Like, you know, getting to, getting to learn skills is so fun. Like it's amazing, Mm -hmm. but everybody's a photographer now, right? (laughs) Was, yeah, everybody with a phone is a photographer for sure. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and the, the quality, the quality is so good. Actually, I, I do photography scavenger hunts, and one of the things to remember is, is like there's professionals out there, professional photographers that are taking these mm-hmm. amazing pictures, but then there are also people that are using a cell phone or a point and shoot camera, and they're also taking amazing pictures. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you're using, whether yeah. you're using a a, a traditional. Uh, bead stitch or whether you're using a peyote stitch the idea is create create something build something you know make art and and enjoy it enjoy what you're doing and express yourself and and that's why that's why we're here that's why we want to talk about this um just because it is it's so important to have that outlet and to to get into to whatever it is that you love and i love that you are embracing your your culture um and that uh you've got all of the all, all of the art that you're doing is is embracing that, and the beadwork is phenomenal. So, um, and and if you ever do uh, a porcupine quill box, I would love to see a picture of it. So please post it. Oh man, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna follow your page here, so we'll. Uh, so uh, let's oh. actually say the name of your page, uh, Mark. I don't think we actually. Oh, it's uh, called the Big and Little Craft Shop. So it's here on the screen on Facebook. Um, Very nice. And, uh, so it's uh i've been posted in a bit but i am planning to i'm like in two yep. weeks holidays so i told my husband all i'm gonna do is craft that's oh, all perfect. i want to do christmas perfect so that's the nice yeah, thing the about reason- art is it's oh, there yeah. for you when you need it you know it's yeah. always going to yeah. be sitting there in your back pocket for that time that you need it yeah uh back in 2017 i created the hashtag i shoot for me which is literally just saying oh. i don't want to be paid to do my work i want to just enjoy what i do um, mm, so awesome. I can see how what you do is something that you really enjoy. And I'm glad that when, as soon as you make it, you're able to sell it. Cause that's, yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. But we've been talking for about an hour now and we've got a couple questions that we want to ask you before we say yeah, goodbye. Sure. So, yeah. uh, thank you for the conversation. And, um, if you are okay, uh, actually there's the three questions. I don't know if you saw, uh, in the email that we sent you, we ask our viewers to issue a challenge to our, our our listeners our, our guests yes our, oh. yeah our guests yeah i did i did read that quickly yes um do you do you think you have a challenge you'd like to issue our uh, our viewers or listeners i do um i think a really great challenge would be um 
So I'm kind of going to do it on a little bit of uh, how can I support my my people on a different spectrum, right? So perfect. Um, you know, I'm going to challenge challenge your viewers to or your listeners to be more mindful of, of indigenous culture and people and what we're enduring right now as a, as a nation. Um, so I actually challenge people to donate, um, you know, Indian residential school survivors, um, they, they could use the donations. This, this has created a lot more trauma for people. Um, you know, it's bringing a lot of stuff up. Um, you know, orangeshirtday.org um, is another great one. Uh, Orange Shirt Day is not just one day of the year. Um, you know, our, our people are going through a lot of mental health issues right now. Um, you know, COVID hasn't helped. Um, so I challenge viewers to definitely donate to those organizations that are providing those supports for our people, especially our mental health. Um, you know, I, I work in a great organizations where we're supported um, as a staff. And I think with COVID, it hasn't helped with what has happened. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's a great opportunity to actually delve into the purpose behind it, um, you know, and, and do it meaningfully, right? Like, don't do it out of guilt. Um, and that's not the purpose. That's not the idea and intent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's definitely an opportunity to educate yourself, especially going to those sites and seeing, like, you know, the amazing people that work for these organizations that just want to help us as a nation, um, you know, and, and creating conversations. I, I think it's really important, right? So, you know, if you see that artist, if you see that struggling artist trying to sell their wares, you know, drop them what they're asking for. Don't wheel and deal. Uh, that's my biggest pet peeve, right? Yeah. Like, pay, pay them what they ask for, right? And, yeah. and yep. that's the biggest thing. It's so important. <laughs> like, it, it's so simple, right? Like, you know, if if somebody is doing this, they're asking for it, pay them what they're asking. Like, it's oh, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a good that, challenge. I think that's a great like point. That. No, nobody walks into a grocery store and starts haggling on the on the price <laughs> yeah. of a can. I want that Big Mac for fifty cents cheaper. Come on now. No, nobody right. does that. So, so support local artists. Absolutely. Oh, and, for and sure. Yeah. Pay like them. Pay them. Amazing. Not not necessarily what they're asking, but they're asking what they're worth. So pay them what they're worth. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like you know, like and us as the people, we're not like. Yeah. I'm not crazy. I'm like yeah. my sister yells at me all the time. She's like, "You sell your stuff for like half of what it should be," and I was like. But that's not what I'm about, right? Like, I'm yeah. not about... Well, the problem is because of the stuff that is mass-produced. It makes... It yeah. devalues the stuff that isn't. Yeah. And yes. it's, it's a it's for a sure. it's a mind screw for people. They think, well, yeah. I could go over to Walmart and buy these things. Like, no, yeah. you, no, you can't. can't. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. It's not the you same. It's not the same. You're, you're yes. barking up the wrong And I always, yeah. I always tell people, too, if you're going to buy moccasins, like, and you feel like my prices are too much, buy me and buy the $40 moccasins. Because, like, yeah. the time, man, if I'm yeah. investing the time, I want you to be happy. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, sure. what you do. I, I love my moccasins. I just bought a new pair uh, in the fall from a, from a, a place that sells local um, on, oh, on cool. Highway 17. It's, it's between here and Sault Ste. Marie. I was on my way through. And my wife and I both got new moccasins. And, and they're not cheap. They are not cheap, no. but they're like they're like moose leather and, and they're really, really comfortable. And uh, yeah, you, you definitely get what you pay for. You know, they're oh, not yeah, a ten dollar sure. pair of moccasins from Walmart. They're not. Um, <laughs> yeah, these yeah. things are going to last me several years, I'm sure. So 
Well, Unless you have a dog that eats them. I have yeah, to make no, myself they... a box because <laughs> my dog good. ate mine. So. They're, pretty, they're pretty good. They, they leave them alone, good. stick to their own toys. Um, so the, the next question, Brian? Yeah, the next question is, um, well, we have two other questions um, that you don't okay. know about yet. Unless you've watched our show, in which case you probably know these questions. But the first question is uh, tools of the trade. I like to leave the last one for last. Uh, tools of the trade is basically asking you, what can you not live without? What What is it that you need to have to do what you do day in and day out? Whether it's an idea, whether it's a physical tool, whether it's just a concept or a philosophy, what is it that you feel you draw from every single time you need to create? Every time I need to create, I always make sure I have something I can scribble on. Um, you know, I carry right. tons of papers with me. Yeah. There's stuff always in my car. Um, even if it's a receipt, like if I'm out, I'll pull off to the side of the road and I'll be like, oh, that's really pretty. And I'll do like a quick sketch or something. Or like, you know, if we're like out in the trails and stuff, we live to walking trails, I'll like take pictures. Like my phone is filled with just like random rocks, random leaves and like, you know, just weird bugs. Like, I don't know what I'm ever going to use for, but I'm like, at least I can go back and reference it. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's the weirdest places, too, and random things, right? Well, you that never know you when you're going to be inspired. No, right? Sure. Like, and that's what I'm like. I, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, check out this neat rock. Like, we were swimming, and I found this rock. And it was right after the cartoon Moana came out. There was a perfect swirl in this rock. Like, you could not draw this any better. And it was like, embedded in this rock. So my wow. nephew was seven at the time. And he was like, Auntie, we have to battle the lava monster. I'm like, what? And he was like, you found the hearted to feedy. And I was like, oh, that's like <laughs> So I kept the rock, right? Because I'm like, yeah. that's cool. That could be a cool painting one day, right? So yeah, yeah like I think, I think as long as I have something that I can sketch or something, like, you know, just jotting little things down or like somewhere I can make a quick note or, you know, writing a location of something that I like or, you know, if I see something that I want to go back photograph like an old dirty road, like county road here in town, like I'll make reference to where it is kind of thing like, oh, farmhouse between Hog Valley and whatever. Like and then I know it's like, oh, there must have been a cool shot there or something that I want awesome. to take. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. So you're, some you're some really way of aware. documenting. Yeah. yeah, you're aware That's of all awesome. the things that are around you, and I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question, and then we will let you go for the evening. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but you don't need to bill as soon as I hit end broadcast. You can hang out for a couple seconds okay. after that. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, the last question is, what's your jam? What kind of songs do you love to listen to? Is there one track that you just can't fast forward past? You give it a five star. Every time it comes on, you're just like, oh, I love this. It just makes my, oh, my day better. So uh, Sleeping Sickness, Sitting Color is my jam. Uh, Dallas Green's my boy, I love him. He is my absolute favorite. I'm like a city and color junkie. And then he got COVID. I was supposed to go on Friday to the show in Toronto and I'm devastated. Um, so that was disappointing. I've been waiting for a little bit now to see another City yeah. and Color concert. Oh, that's um, too bad. Yeah, so On that many was disappointing. Levels. So hopefully, yeah, I know, yeah. hopefully he's okay so I can see him in February. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, City and Color, uh, Tragically Hip, those are my two, you know, Gord nice. Downey is amazing. So yeah, it was, uh, it was disappointing. I cried when he passed away. 
Um, you know, he was definitely an ally for our people. So, you know, it was, and it's cool. I actually have a connection to Gordani. Well, kind of like a person kind of thing. Um, one of my cousins uh, actually was somebody really close to him. So it was cool. I got to go to the last two Toronto shows that they okay. played. Wow. Yeah. One, my okay. girlfriend, well, my girlfriend brought me to the Friday and then my cousin Kathy, Kathy brought me to the one on Sunday. We sat with oh, his brother cool. and family. So it was pretty cool. Like, hmm, you awesome. know, like, yeah. So those are, those are my two, uh, two bands, my go-to bands all the time. So yeah, my Excellent. kids are, Excellent. yeah, my kids, uh, my kids are little fans too, I think, or yeah. I hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> Most often the musical awesome. trickle down from parents <laughs> to the kids. So that's, oh it. yeah. Yeah. yeah, they like Beastie Boys and stuff, right? So I can't oh, complain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, good stuff. Yeah, Beastie yeah. Boys are cool too. So you know, Par- parenting wins, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And exactly. they were Jewish too. Weird. I don't know. Why. Oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, Perfect. that is it for us tonight. Thank you so much, Amber, for being here tonight. I've already thanked you a million times. I just yeah. it's what I do. I, I really Thanks appreciate for having you. me. This is fun. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. Yeah. We definitely appreciate you being here. Mark, anything you'd like to say before we say? Uh, no, just said? just thank you very much, Amber. Uh, really appreciate your time tonight and and uh, and your your candor. Uh, it's a great conversation and just some great great information uh, for people uh, to to really listen to and to open your hearts and and really really think about you know what the history was um, and what you can do for the future to make sure that nothing like that ever, ever happens again to any culture or any group of people. For sure. Absolutely. And I think something we all need to remember is that we are all just a result of our life experiences. Yeah. So put out Mm -hmm. good experiences for the people around you. Treat your brothers and sisters with respect. Treat your parents with respect. Make sure that they grow up knowing the comfort of family and, uh, you know, just being respected because I think that's where it all starts. And when we can start with that with our family, um, it can trickle down for generations. So uh, let's just keep positive with everybody, everybody, and just have a great time. That's it. We're out of here. Thank you all so much for uh, watching Expressions this week. And we hope you continue to watch in the future. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this with your friends. And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,